0: member care on this edition of truth and love i'm dale johnson and you're listening to truth and love a podcast of the association of certified biblical counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face I'm so thrilled to be here today with Mark Tatlock, maybe introducing many of you, many of our listeners to Mark Tatlock and his work. But I want to tell you a little bit about him and his work. Dr. Tatlock served as executive vice president and provost of the Masters University. Mark brings 17 years of executive administration experience to TMAI. TMAI is the Masters Academy International where he is now serving as the president of the work of the Master's Academy International. He's been an active in theological training for cross-cultural ministry with urban and international contexts. He's eager to invest in strengthening TMAI's development and academic divisions. And as a graduate of the Master's Seminary, he's committed to TMAI's theological distinctives and the priority of pastoral training. Mark and his wife, Lisa, have five children, Jacob, Josiah, Hope, Paul, and Olivia. Care for orphans and foster children is an area of personal concern for both of them, believing that God would have his people model this amazing picture of the gospel and of his love that is found in adoption. And I am so grateful to have on today to talk about this issue of uh, member care, caring for missionaries, caring for the caregivers. Uh, Dr. Tatlock, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Dale. It's great to be with you.
0: Now, Mark, I randomly made a phone call uh, a year and a half, two years ago, and started talking to you about the work of TMI. I was being introduced to what the Lord was doing in so many places. It was such a wonderful phone call. I started talking about biblical counseling and the beauty of serving missionaries. The Lord had had definitely given me a desire and a passion to serve missionaries and the work that they do. And and I found a brother who was so like-minded in that area. I want to start out introducing our listeners for those who, who may not realize a little bit about you and particularly your work with TMAI, the Masters Academy International. So tell us a little bit about the work there.
1: Sure. 30 years ago, when the Soviet Union fell and the Iron Curtain came down, we were extended an invitation from a number of pastors who never had the freedom to train their pastors under Soviet system. And they just said we understand the threats of liberalism, charismatic movement, cults coming in to our part of the world and we realized the necessity now to train our pastors so it was a simple invitation from them just to join them in in a way that we could serve and so that led to our first training center being established where we sent four graduates of the master's seminary to develop really the first pastoral training seminary in ukraine that was permissible or allowable in the days of freedom Since then, others saw that model and extended a similar invitation. Today, we have 18 training centers around the world that are members of the Masters Academy International. We have an increasing number of invitations as churches see the benefit of having their pastors trained to rightly divide the Word of God to implement a biblical philosophy of ministry in their church and then be effective in evangelism and outreach. So today, prayerfully, we're trying to step into opportunities to develop as many as 50 new training centers around the world. So it's an exciting work for us. It's a work we give the Lord the credit. He opens up the door just as Paul prays in Colossians 4, that God would open up a door for the gospel and communication of the mystery of Christ. But he says something important there in the text. He says, When the door opens and you go to proclaim the word you need to conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy or consistent with the character of christ and that deals with being a sanctified missionary it means you have to be a sanctified pastor so now we're getting to the heart issues that lead to a transformed life so that's why it's important to me what we talk about
0: I love that vision. I think it's so important. And, and I could go off on a tangent here talking about the beauty of, of the training that you guys do. And and you're not just, anybody can jump on an airplane, Mark, right? And go and do some training, get a translator. And, and, and we think we're doing some wonderful things. You guys are investing in the long term, doing it with diligence, doing it with character, doing it with purity and faithfulness and fidelity to the gospel of Jesus. And, and you, you're trying to build leaders who will carry that work out faithfully. What a vision. I, every time I talk about this, it's just So encouraging. You work with a lot of people cross culturally, okay? A lot of teachers, trainers, nationals, missionaries who go and serve. It's an issue to to learn how to care for them well. And to be honest, can I just say that from the West, we send a lot of missionaries. Often we don't care for them well, whether through lost connection, distance, creating problems and and relationships and that sort of thing. But this is something that's at the center of your heart. Now, I want to just skip the hypothetical stuff. We're going to get right down to some of the nitty gritty right now there are some things happening, certainly in Europe, particularly in the Ukraine, the war between Russia and Ukraine. And you guys have, that's one of the first places that you guys uh, were initially, and there's there are legitimate cares and concerns going on now. Talk a little bit about that situation and and how you guys are caring well for the people there.
1: Sure. Thank you, Dale. Well, first of all, my primary role is as an elder in our church overseeing the sending process. And so we're tasked with the New Testament responsibility not only to send, but to shepherd our missionaries. And we take that responsibility seriously. And so we want our missionaries to know that we we know them and we love them and we're there for them. So, specific to the Ukraine, just to talk about the immediacy of our topic and its importance, our two key missionary families who are part of that original team are still there. Both of them are leaders in our training center they're trained up a number of pastors we have actually 900 graduates of their program over the 30 years so when you see a map of ukraine on the news today every city that you see that's under assault or affected by the the movement of refugees from other cities we know of men there we know of churches that are trying to respond and be responsive in those moments but our two missionaries they've been there for 30 years and they made a decision early on with the announcement or what we saw happening with the buildup of troops along the border from Russia, that they were going to stay because they both also pastor churches. And they said, this is our home. These are our people. God's entrusted to us. Whatever they face, we're going to face it with them. And they showed that in their newsletters and and we commended them. And that was a great source of encouragement to their people. But when the invasion began and they began to mobilize their church to gather supplies and to respond to people who are in need and prepare what might be fighting right in their own backyards. I got a phone call one night from one of them, and he said, you know, things are really busy right now, and I haven't had time just to to stop and focus. He said, could you send me just 10 Bible verses on fear? And I just thanked him. One, I was really glad he was honest enough to tell me that when he lays his head on his pillow at night, he has to work through the truth that he's been preaching and that he's shepherding other people through in his own heart. No, I thanked him. I just went to a, a Google site, I copied and pasted a hundred verses on fear, and I sent them to him right away. And, and I said, you know what? God must know that we need this because He has a lot to say about fear. <laughs> and as I begin to think about that, you, you consider men like Joshua, and you consider men like Gideon and David, and even men like Peter. Who didn't respond initially to defending Christ, but kind of buckled to the fear that he faced? So, these are these great heroes that we see in Scripture, and just like our missionaries to us are our wonderful heroes and examples of faith, they still have to contend with the application of biblical truth in the depth of their heart when they're facing really life-threatening situations. And as I thought about, particularly the example of Joshua, <laughs> over and over again, right in chapter one, you know, God tells him. Strong and courageous. And he, that wasn't the first time. He had communicated that to him earlier in his life. And the principle is your circumstances might be those that provoke fear, but you have a God who is going to be faithful to his promises and his loving commitment to you. So when he says to Joshua, meditate on the scriptures day and night to feed your soul and your mind with reminders of the character of God and the promises of God, that's what provides courage. It's not that your circumstances change or even that fear itself goes away. You're gifted with a spiritual courage to face the fear and to face the circumstances. Isn't that the testimony of the church? Men who gave their life for the truth. Men and women who gave their life in defense of the gospel. But it has been brought home to me just personally in the last week to say in our generation, it's the same need to fill our hearts and minds with the promises of God, meditate on the character of God so that we might be strong and courageous. I mean, imagine Joshua, okay? He's sent in, they cross the River Jordan, they stand outside the walls of Jericho. and What does God say to him? Here's your battle plan. March around the city seven times, blow some trumpets, crack some clay pots. And then trust me, from a human perspective, you said, we're dead. There's no way we're going to meet the enemy on these terms. So what enabled Joshua to lead his people? And today, just like a missionary or a pastor has to lead their people to face the enemy. And maybe one last thought in that regard. The greater battle isn't the physical battle, right? It's the spiritual battle. And it's the same principle. It's The one offensive weapon that we're given is the sword of the Spirit. That's what assures victory. And God's entrusted that weapon to us. And
0: so we go forward with confidence in Him. Amen. That's so helpful. I think you mentioned the issue of fear and worry. And over 160 times we see in the scriptures where we're encouraged, we're commanded not to fear, do not be afraid. We're always reminded that the Lord is with us. There's a constant press toward his character, his faithfulness, the work that he's done in the past. And that tells me we're going to have lots of opportunities to fear. If the Lord is telling us that we need not fear, don't be afraid, there are going to be opportunities that present itself circumstances, just like this issue in Ukraine. When we talk about cross-cultural missions, these are real human beings who are going into these places. Yes, they are our heroes. They're giving up a lot, and we don't need to take away from that, but they're real human beings. And often the, the things that you and I struggle with in a, our cultural context that we're accustomed to, it's interesting to me that we face same battles, but cross-culturally those things are emphasized and exacerbated to a greater degree. And these are the types of people who need intimate, detailed care to continue strong faithfully in the work. And what a great way, Mark, to minister to your brother in that way, because these are, these are not fake risk; These are real risks. Risk that people are taking, and the the situation that you mentioned, safety is on the line, and so these people are facing that in reality, in real time. We I know in our country we feel like that's somewhat distant; we're impacted very little by some of those things. But this is in their faces, and they're they're facing this reality. I want you to talk for a second about this issue of safety and some of the risks that are being taken, because I think for us, in order to care well, we need to understand what some of that's like for people on the field.
1: Well, I think there's uh, a few issues that are inherent in our work with missionaries that prevents us from ministering to their souls at this level when they face issues of fear. One of that is, you know, what we tend to celebrate are their accomplishments. You know, we expect newsletters that talk about recent conversions and baptisms and and growth in, in church numbers or, you know, projects. In our case, you know, Training center projects and and students and and what they're doing in their churches or translation projects. And so we celebrate those things. But sometimes it's like our own children. If we only celebrate their successes and their victories, what we reinforce is this idea that love only is received when you perform well. And that's not the kind of love that we see that comes from God through Christ to us. He died for us. Romans 5 eight while we were yet sinners, there was nothing we did to accomplish or earn or merit his love. And so unintentionally, we can reinforce a, a kind of relationship with missionaries. Now, you add to that, that when they come home, they are only given a few minutes to talk. So they're not going to open up their hearts and talk about their deepest struggles. They're going to, again, celebrate the successes. And we compound that because their financial support comes from us. People give to, and particularly Americans, we're oriented to give to things that, that win, that are successful. So think about what a missionary faces to have the courage to admit to their elders or to those who are supporting them, their own struggles and, and issues, in this case, with fear. I say to our missionaries all the time, I want you to know it's safe to talk to us. I, I purposely use that word. Because at a distance, they may be afraid that they would lose our respect, our confidence, our financial support, or even maybe bring them off the field just because they're struggling with the same things that I struggle with when I get out of bed every day. So I say to them, you need to know it's safe to talk to us. And until they know it's safe, they're not going to trust us to share what their struggles are, and we're not able to move into their hearts in a meaningful way. You know, the word encourage that we use a lot in ministry and in counseling, if you just study the word in in scriptures, it just means to set courage in the heart. Well, if you're not talking about the reality of what is going on in the heart, you can't bring truth to bear and and the love and affection that you have for your brother or sister as a missionary and set that courage deeply that will allow them to press in to the battle, both spiritual and even physical, that they face. So to me creating a safe environment. And what that requires, Dale, I think you know this well, we have to climb down off of our pedestals as pastors and elders, and we need to make it acceptable to let them know we understand, we can empathize with them. And sometimes we're not allowed to to be honest and to be safe. So we've got to come at this with a greater measure of just humility and integrity. And the reality is Christ knows us that way. (laughs) And I believe genuine fellowship in the church requires that we know each other that way, and when we do, then we get to experience the wonderful grace of truth and fellowship that girds us for the battle
0: I think that's so so critical is you're you're not excusing sin you, you, that's not what you're talking about, but you are giving people space to be human, and it's theologically rooted because you understand that they're not fully sanctified in the practical sense. So that means there are going to be struggles. That's that's a healthy theological expectation when you think about ourselves personally and what we struggle with, and then also those who serve on the field. I really appreciate that sort of outlook, and I, I think a lot about what what things ACBC can do in serving missionaries, whether they're stateside or whether they're overseas in ways that we can encourage. And I'm going to be thinking and talking a lot more about this issue of member care, and I want us to to be considering some of that. Mark, I want you to talk just for a second about, you know, practical ways that you've seen Grace Community Church, of which you're a member here in Sun Valley, California. I want you to to help me to understand a little bit of, of the ways that you guys, if you were talking to, a, you know, a missions pastor, a senior pastor who's out there, in ways that they can think well about caring for missionaries that they send out, what are some of the ways that they can tangibly encourage their missionaries?
1: Well, let me say first of all we enjoy a great partnership with acbc so many of our training centers are providing biblical counseling even working through extending the opportunities to receive certification so having good sound biblical resources that they're able to bring into their churches is something that we're really grateful for so i wanted to mention that first of all when it comes to just loving people you have to start with i think your own perspective which requires an honesty. We are imperfect people. Praise the Lord. We're in process. Uh, Paul tells us in Philippians that God's going to complete that wonderful work that he began in us. So let's just be honest. First of all, we haven't arrived. We're not perfect. And I think we all understand that we minister more powerfully when we empathize. So that honesty first requires of us to look at where we have to apply the truth of God's word and where others have aided us to grow in our own holiness and our own faith and our own just confidence in God. So I think you got to start with your own leaders first. And I am so grateful for the men I get to share with who model that alongside me. We talk about, you know, the hardship and the challenges in our own lives and ministry so that when we sit down with a missionary and we pursue them, which by the way, I think is important When we talk about gospel ministry, it is predicated on a kind of love from God that is rooted in his character. He is the one who pursues. He is the one who initiates. So practically speaking, do you purpose to pursue and initiate this kind of relationship with your missionaries? That means knowing them. It can be a phone call, certainly if you're on the field, when they're back in town, spending more time with them. But again, it's not just celebrating the victories. It's asking meaningful questions. It's the power of good questions, right? And you ask not just what you've done or even just generally what your needs are, not just how I can pray for you, but tell me how your heart is. Tell me where you're struggling. Tell me what the challenges are in leadership that test unity. And how are you contending with that? And how are you leading through that? I want you to know it's safe to talk about your marriage. And we're committed to you and your wife. So where are the areas that you need to grow? And your kids, parenting, listen, we can all empathize with that if we have kids. And so let's just come together as a family of God and care for one another in really the most intimate and the most personal aspects of our life. If we're whole and healthy there, then we'll be able to sustain the work for the long haul. And be usable by the Lord. So, in essence, it's really short sighted to just talk about projects and tasks and strategic plans with missionaries if you're not equally invested in the care of their soul and minister to their hearts. So, you know, it looks
0: different in the moment. And I think that's just being spirit filled. I love that. I love the connection to the church. One of the things that I see as I work with missionaries around the world is those who are thriving are the ones who are intimately connected to a church that is actively caring on multiple levels. And we make it often much more complex than it than it has to be. You're talking about basic biblical care and how how much we need that. I think this work is so critical, so important because that that care is an investment in the future of the gospel in those places. It allows people to stay long-term and allows them to thrive in in situations like that long-term because this is not a battle against flesh and blood. The enemy is certainly against the work that they're doing. Brother, this has been such an encouraging conversation and hopefully opening the world up to the people who who listen to uh, this podcast and even who know about ACBC and biblical counseling, but to to hear some of the needs that that are beyond our borders and ways that we can minister, counsel, do soul care well from the scriptures. Thank you, brother, for being with us. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for Mark Tatlock and the work that his team is doing at the Masters Academy International. The training that they're accomplishing is just unbelievable. I'm so grateful for it. But listen, one of the things we talked about today was member care. I I think it's so important that we are focused on caring for our missionaries well. There are so many other sending agencies and so many missionaries that we sent out to share the gospel of Jesus, and we need to make sure that we are caring well for those who are on the front lines sharing the gospel in very dark places. I want to mention to you a resource that, that many of you may know about, some of you may not, and, and a few reasons that it's, it's a good resource on our website. We have a Find a Counselor map listed on our website, biblicalcounseling.com, and it's really important for so many of you. First of all, for those of you who may be missionaries, you can receive counseling from some of our our counselors. We're in 37 countries as well as all 50 states if you're on stateside assignment. There's a way that you can find an ACBC counselor to minister to you, to care for you, care for you well. Another opportunity for those of you who are going through our certification process is use the Find a Counselor map in order to find one of our certified members so that you can do live observation. I think that would be so helpful, one of the most useful things that you could do in your training is to sit live in counseling where you're not the one who's primarily responsible for responding, but you can think through the process in real time as you observe. This is one of the ways that I think you will grow most. And then finally, for those of you who may be looking for a biblical counselor and you've wondered, how do I get access to biblical counselors? You can go to our website and click on find a counselor and you can have access to Counselors in all 37 countries that, that we're in and all 50 states. And you can find someone who's close by you or a loved one that you know is struggling with, with a particular issue. And so make sure you remember this great resource that we have on our website find a counselor map at biblicalcounseling.com.